We're going to fucking win. Also, I played the other day and completely you dicked Harry. It wasn't even really? close. It was me and Bex, and Bex couldn't hit a fucking child. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dropback Podcast. I am your host this week, Matt Burns Peak, and joined by the fantastic Joe Costanzo. How are you doing today, Joey? I'm your guest this week, Joe Costanzo. Hello, my, my host guest. this week, Matthew Burns Peak. I like that. Good, good work, good work. Yeah, we're, so we're here to muddle through all of the NFL goings on this week. Crazy week nine in the books with a bunch of upsets. Um, which we're going to jump into. I know Joe's raring to go from the Baltimore result. Um, Ooh, but bef- before cool that, an upset. Well, okay. Ooh, well, it looked it looked pretty upsetting for the first half for you, anyway. It almost made me upset, but it did not. <laughs> right. Well, before we jump into that, let's just cover off a quick bit of news. Um, two bits of news over the last couple of days of real significance, both involving the Raiders. Uh, firstly, in the immediate aftermath of rather pitifully losing to the New York Giants, the Raiders signed Deshaun Jackson. Um, so he's headed to uh, Las Vegas, going to hopefully bolster that uh, offense, give Derek Carr that deep weapon that he's now been missing since the Henry Ruggs situation. Um, what do you think of that one, Joe? Good move. Oh, I thought you meant, what do you think of the Henry Ruggs situation? No, no, like, that's just awful. There's, there's nothing to no, even it's discuss. Terrible, and I think it should go to jail. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, Deshaun Jackson, who isn't going to jail, he's going to Las Vegas. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, we say this quite, like every time Deshaun Jackson gets picked up by a team, it's like, yeah, he's not the same, but he's an adequate, somehow still an adequate vertical threat, even though he's yeah. like 34 or 35 at this point. He's he's gonna get you a few yards. Like he'll be an okay-ish receiver. Yeah. He's experienced. He, he he quite possibly will get injured and not play many games. But I mean, what else are your options at the moment? What Zay Jones? That's the thing, uh, right? Ryan Edwards, Darren Waller, obviously Hunter Renfro is, I guess, your best receiver. They've got a lot of B, B people I'd say is like B talent guys, like like you said, like Brian Edwards, like Hunter Renfro, like people who they're they're, they're decent players, but they're never going to be that star that commands, you know, that forces defenses to, to game plan against them. They've only really got Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs that do that. Yeah, at this point, just freaking stick Kenyon Drake in the slot and see what happens. Hell yeah, good good little receiving back Kenyon Drake. Saw that my, my, the Miami days, and then uh, didn't really do anything in Arizona, but that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a decent move. I, I think you've probably got to temper expectations with Deshaun Jackson because, as you said, how many teams have we seen him on? How many injuries have we seen him pick up? He's one of those who's going to have a stat line of probably two catches for 70 yards or zero catches for no yards and nothing in between. Um, yeah. But, you know, adds a different dimension to that offense, I think, which is something that they, they lacked, certainly against the Giants. Um. So let's move on to the the next piece of Raiders news, which is you know, a bit more shocking. And I think with the way the last few weeks have gone, it's sort of piling on the uh, the bad news for Raiders and drafting players. Um, it's been fun, hasn't it? 
it's not not if you might make one. No. Um, so yeah, so yeah, this is the news that uh, Monday morning the Raiders informed that Damon Arnett that they would be releasing him. This follows, um, apart from just not being a very good player, um, also uh, some rather unsavory uh, allegations around his conduct parties and video surfacing around threats made that sort of thing not a good look at all so the Raiders have cut ties and that now means that out of the Raiders first five picks in the 2020 draft only one of those players is still on their team and that is Brian Edwards so uh Mike Mayhawk literally Brian Edwards role on this team uh, he's probably about the fourth or third or fourth string receiver I'd say depending on the day so yeah all in all Mike Mayhawk how are you still in the job my friend it's funny because Mike Mayock is the type of guy who is always like, oh, yeah, I draft for character. And yet he's drafted people who are evidently terrible draft. people. And also, yeah, I mean, his coach was also a terrible person. Yes, uh, you've got to say it's not looking good for Mike Mayock. Terrible people. And yeah, I don't think he's very good at his job, to be honest. At least on the, we like every Raiders draft, we're like, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, it's a bit like watching the Seahawks in recent years. It's just like, why? What are you doing? Just how does the, who thought this was a good idea? I mean, Henry Ruggs on the surface level looked like a decent pick at the time, but there were still better receivers on the board that they let go. Um, turned out to be, you know, he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, it's uh, just sad. Like, if you if you're a Raiders fan, you must have come into the season with so much promise, and definitely. you know. They did look, they have looked good at times this season as well. Like, even after um, Gruden left, but it's it's just evidently they've got a bunch of characters on that team who. Not good people. No. They, as far as they we can tell. Conducting themselves like professional athletes. And yeah. that doesn't go. I mean, that's a pretty short line in the NFL. You're going to get booted off the team. Mm. I mean, I, this is just the last thing that the, the Raiders organization needed this week as well, I think. Like, they, they've been put through the mill with the Henry Ruggs situation. Um, obviously, they then fell pretty flat against the Giants, who, you know, actually, to be fair to the Giants, they, they did look decent against the Chiefs the week before, but we know what the Chiefs have been like this year. Um, yeah, the Giants have lost a few close games, to be fair, as well. Hmm. I mean, Not, they, bad, not they... as bad a team as people maybe thought they would be. Yeah. That's, that's safe to say. Um, yeah, but I think it's fair to say that the Raiders were, probably, were still favourites going into that one, so it's, it's not a it's not a good loss. Um, I mean, no loss is a good loss, but it's a loss against a team that you were, were sort of expecting to beat. And then literally the day after, you have this situation where one of your draft picks in the same class as Henry Ruggs goes out and sort of, yeah, shows some... Maybe not the first round pick as well. He was a first round pick. He, he was yeah. uh, so Ruggs was picked twelfth overall in twenty twenty. Arnett was picked nineteenth overall. Oh uh, I remember Such at the time it was a bit. As well. It was a bit of a weird pick. I remember us saying at the time uh, we thought he'd be like a solid corner. To be fair to the Raiders, I mean the reason why they they've released him is clearly to do with these allegations and this um, alleged video footage of him being very threatening. There were talks of there being a weapon involved and things like that at a party. So. You know, absolutely can't have that. You've got to take on the team for that. Yeah, you can bring bring a bottle of wine. vibes, no. Bring a gun. (laughs) Chips, bring a gun. But 
um but i mean apart from that he's not really worked out as a pit as as a player as they thought he would um i mean if you're going to pick someone 19th overall they've got to start delivering right i mean to date this season limited action one pass breakup and four tackles i think he's had so you know he's hardly been and those aren't stats of of, that's that's not like a people throwing away from him because he's so good stat line that's a he he barely plays because he's not very good stat line um so, I mean, all in all, not not a good week for the, if you're a Raiders yeah. fan. I'm fairly sure he played a decent amount in his rookie season, was just quite bad as well. Like, he had a lot of lot of big receptions, a lot of busted coverages, mm-hmm. and a few holding penalties as well. So, yeah. I mean, it's, they're not going to really miss him. They wasn't, but he was barely playing, really. There is that side, like yeah. Organizational standpoint. But it's just the fact that, you know, whenever someone gets drafted in the first round and turns out like this, you start to look back at that draft and go, oh, well, look who you could have had. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that that was really the only, that was the only real news immediately coming out of uh, the Sunday games. Uh, there was a few injuries, unfortunately, as there always is this 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 time of year. Uh, I know the the Ravens, you lost one of your safeties, didn't you? Uh, I think it was oh, yeah. Elliot. Lost, uh, Deshaun Elliott. Yeah. Deshaun Elliott going out for the season as well. Um, out so, for the yeah. season. I didn't even know he was out for the season. Fuck. He's out for the season, Joe. I hate to be the bearer of bad oh, news. Oh, my you, God. Let me, what let the me hell? Get... I just saw him walking off holding his like shoulder or something. Let me get, the, let me get it up Stay. for you. Let me get the... That's oh, aggravating. Cause... Yeah. Ravens fear that safety Deshaun Elliott suffered a torn peck and will likely miss the rest of the season. Oh. Oh not confirmed, God. but it's not looking positive. I don't know how we're as good as we are. Like we have every right to be really shit. But yeah. I mean, Deshaun Elliott's a big loss actually, especially this season. He's really stepped up to be like a yeah, especially on those like safety blitzes that we love to run. Mm. He he gets a lot of sacks. It's, it's actually pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, he's he's a good like man safety as well. He's just genuinely been quite sick for us especially filling the gap that you know um top l thomas left so. yeah so that that is a blow and i mean i mean let, let, let's let's move on to let's move on to the ravens then because as you said that's another starter gone this team has been absolutely ko'd with injuries this season but it doesn't seem to be stopping the ravens at all another improbable win at the weekend against the vikings i mean if you'd said to me that half time that you were going to come back and win that game i would have laughed in your face joe if i'm honest because yeah. the first half was pretty 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 uh, difficult viewing from a ravens perspective but once couldn't again tackle, mate. couldn't tackle which is a big problem um yeah. but i mean another another fantastic comeback and a 34 to 31 win what did you think about it i think that i have no idea which Marquise Brown we're going to get on a particular day, <laughs> firstly, because this so Marquise bad. Brown I love, but Marquise Brown who drops three open touchdowns I don't like as much. Um, yeah, we're basically just riding Lamar Jackson to, to try and win as many games as possible, and it seems to be working. We have no right to win a lot of these games. Like, no. our defense cannot tackle. Like, we're, uh, to be fair to them, most of them are not full-time starters. Yeah. Um, and at this point, it even might be most of them. Like, genuinely, I'm, I'm trying to think, but it might be more than six starters gone on defense, which, yeah, like, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I. it's tough to watch from a defensive perspective, given 
like the history of the Ravens and how consistently great we've been on defense every year. But I mean, I have no idea how we're winning these like each like week on week. They're all entertaining games because you know Lamar yeah. is gonna be putting you in a position to win. Um, well, that's what and... I was about to say. I was about to say, as a Ravens fan, like you must be on one hand, like very much looking forward to Sundays, but also it must be quite stressful because all these games are, I mean, they're really, really entertaining, but they are nail buyers. Yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, with some of the injuries, by the time the playoffs come around, we'll have good experience of winning close games mm. to really, because that's all you really need in the playoffs. You need like to hit the right momentum and be able to win close, close games. And, um, play your game plan and i think we've been able to kind of deviate a little bit and i mean we still be we've still committed to you know i mean in that game we committed to the run well in the first quarter we were getting two yards of carry by the fourth quarter again about five um we put their defense in a position where you know we we would have like a 17 or 18 play drive they'd go three and out and then we're right back at it with another 17 or 18 play drive and that's really tiring on a defense so i mean as long as we can somehow keep that up with all the injuries we've had even to our starting o-line and and everything then i'm pretty fucking ecstatic i imagine any ravens fan would be but it is just i have no idea i have no idea how we're better we're, we're able to win these games because we we have no right with with the amount of injuries we've had on offensive line running backs and our uh, basically beef well our whole defensive yeah, a whole defensive team, to be honest, at this point, Gone. like it's, it's yeah. literally, it's, yeah, it's it's a uh, pretty stupid. I mean, even the um, our backup linebacker who got shot randomly in a fucking yes. prior to this game got shot in a, the calf by a stray bullet while he was uh, like at a house party or something in Cleveland. It's like, how the fuck does this happen to us? Like, what yeah. what the fuck is going on? One, why do people keep bringing guns to house parties? I mean, I don't know. Just, it's just, just, America, just as a lead, people just why do this. That happen? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I was going to say as well, like, I wonder, I almost wonder if the fact you've had so many injuries has sort of, sort of galvanized you in these close games because it's like you guys never, like, I never feel like the Ravens feel they're out of a game. And it, I wonder yeah. if that sort of comes from that mentality of like, nah, we've been that's, so unlucky. That's... Yeah, I think we've got a really good coaching staff and they will kind of play up to that. But at the same time, like Lamar is just sort of unfazed by stuff. Like we you can think be, it is down to be, Lamar then? We can be 14 or 16 points down and he'll be kind of like, he'll make, he'll throw a pick or like fumble it or do something stupid and where people will put their head down. He's kind of like, all right, next play. Like he'll, he'll get angry about it on the play. And then you see him, on, see him on the bench and he's just like, next play, next play. And he's very... You can hear it in like the post-game presses and stuff, and I know, don't usually pay as much attention to that kind of stuff. But he just does. He, all he cares about is winning. Like he doesn't actually really care about individual stats in. or anything like yeah. that. He he just wants the team to win. And I think when you've got a QB like that on your team, um, none of this bullshit, Big Ben like shuffling the blame around crap. The guy just wants to win. He wants to win a Super Bowl. So I mean, we can we have excuses to lose with the injuries and stuff, but you don't want us to. So, you know, mm. I just think it's been so impressive the way the Ravens have been able to deal with like, because it's not even been like, 
oh no, the, the fourth string wide receiver's gone down, or like, oh, the, the third the third corner's our nickel corner's injured. It's like these are key starters in key positions who have been integral to the game plan on offense and defense that we've seen go down. Yeah. And the Ravens have just been able to take it in their stride. Yeah, we've got a bunch of just like OAP running backs just <laughs> shuffling them along, like Devonta Freeman and Lev Bell. Like, who the fuck thought Lev Bell would be playing for the Ravens wearing? Yes, yeah, that is mad. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm pretty proud of the fact that our coaching staff is able to do this with the with just the talent they have at the moment. But I think <clears throat> it. He's not going to have the stats to do it, but this, to me, this just proves that Lamar Jackson should be the MVP. Like, I'm sorry to be that biased little bunny, but when it yeah, comes down to most valuable player and you've got a player who is clearly forcing us to win games week on week despite injuries, that's the most valuable player in the league compared to teams where they've got all their most of their starting players healthy and mm. they've got this incredible talent pool like we we barely have an offensive line we barely have a defensive line we we have like a lot of people just can't tackle on our on our team <laughs> because they haven't had to tackle because they yeah. third string players like yeah on. i mean i think that is a, that is a good point i mean like when you break it down to like what is an mvp and like it being about who is genuinely the most crucial player to their team. I think Lamar Jackson is it. I mean, I, I think Kyler Murray up to this point has been sort of the the bookie's favourite in that respect. But, you know, the, the, we've seen the Cardinals can now win without Kyler Murray. I mean, it wasn't as straightforward when they were playing in a pretty dog shit San Fran team, if I'm honest. But they yeah. can win without him. I don't know if the Ravens could do that without Lamar because no, it's so no. impressive. Fuck no. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, we, 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 we couldn't have our backup come in and win us a game right now. Like we, we literally rely on the fact that Lamar Jackson can, you know, he, also within the pocket, he's fucking amazing. Like mm. it, it, I, that's really nice to see that that's really developed this year. Like, cause it gives me confidence that when he's older and he's not going to be able to just break outside the pocket all the time and, and run for these massive gains or like find someone while he's, Outside puts, to, puts to bed the uh, running back playing quarterback discussion as well. I think this season for sure. Yeah, I mean, to me that which was, was a boring narrative boring. anyway. But you, you, it hasn't got a leg to stand on anymore. It does not. And when he doesn't have legs to stand on, he can throw it from the pocket. So it's all Gucci. Still be rocketing the footy downhill for for more Ravens wins. Hopefully. So yeah, I mean that was a super impressive game. Um, like I said, I don't, like we said, I don't, I don't think you were necessarily not favourites for that game. But the position that you guys were in. After the first quarter, no, yeah, it, looks, I thought we'd it looks bad. I thought we'd lose. I was getting really angry. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was all good. The Vikings, always, Vikings always give you a chance and Lamar always gives you a chance. Um, so, I mean, let, let's move on to what was absolutely the definition of an upset win. And we'll, we'll start with yeah. Denver beating Dallas 30-16, to 16, which doesn't actually do it justice because Dallas' 16 points came in absolute garbage time when they were still playing their stars against Denver's, I don't know, under 14th, where it felt like. Like, in terms of this game was so over, was just so over by about third quarter, maybe, maybe sooner. Um, I mean, I, what what happened here is, is all I can really say. I don't know. The play calling was a bit shoddy on the Cowboys. The Cowboys. I don't know. 
are we just underestimating how good the Broncos are? Like they had a few good games at the start of the season, then they kind of dropped off against better competition. Maybe we it was a mix of us overestimating how good the Cowboys offense was. I mean, we've been talking about them constantly underestimating how good that that Broncos defense was to, to really contain their playmakers mm. and I mean limiting CD Lamb to what two catches on the day to, given the season he's been having is is pretty impressive to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean like go ahead. Just to jump in on that point as well like I th- I think a lot of it probably is the Denver Broncos defense deserves a lot more respect than it's got and I I mean I will oh, hold yeah. my hands up and say that I've been I know Slu and Stan especially and, and you have been saying about like the Broncos defense really good, the secondary is really impressive. I was kind of a little bit like a I'll believe it when I see it sort of sort of thing. But I mean, like you said, the Cowboys offense has been pitted as probably arguably the best offense in the league at times this season, definitely in the top sort of three. And they just had no idea. They had no idea how to beat this, this Denver defense. I think Denver looked in control at all times, like on the critical downs, third downs, Dallas had no idea what to do. Um, it was just a really good, complete performance by that defense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I was kind of, uh, I, I mean, at the start of the season, I was very much of the mindset that Denver's defense were only really that good because they were playing bad teams. And then they went for a stint where they've lost a couple of games mid midway through the season, but they haven't had like terrible performances on defense still. They've still been a good defensive team, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's for, I mean, a while. It's been Denver's sort of identity as well, being a defensive team first. And I mean, coming off the back of losing Von Miller to a trade as well and still... Uh, yeah. That's a big. That's, that's, that's a big, a big captain in the locker room as well. That you know, I would have thought would have had a, a bigger impact, but it it turns out no, not so uh, much. Not so much. And I, I also, think that was on to Williams. Get, get yeah, some that's what juicy, I was going to say. Juicy touches. Yeah, it was. I, mean, uh, I think me and Stan's favorite, well, second favorite running back behind Najee Harris in in this year's draft. So. It's good to see him getting some touches and getting the ball. I mean, averaging six and a half yards per carry as a rookie, pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. 111 yards on the ground in this one. Yeah. And a good switch up back with uh, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, well. 100%. I mean, Melvin Gordon did edge him in carries, but I think but Javon Williams would just, he's, he seems to have established himself as that, that go-to guy, that bell cow back, um, especially like between the tackles. I think he's been super impressed for that so far this season. Um, and yeah, yeah, he, he looked fantastic this game. And I think another one, another Denver offensive player that I think has been under the radar and often criticised is sort of seen as, you know, it's a position, the, the quarterback position for Denver has been very talked about in terms of do they have the right guy? What Are they a, a good quarterback away from being a great team? But Teddy Bridgewater, I thought, played really well in this game. Um, and to add a bit of context to it as well, the Saints, um, they were reports coming out after the trade deadline that the Saints actually tried to uh, to make a last-minute move, Teddy, um, which is interesting. The Saints who, uh, yeah, not know that. Fell, fell foul to the Atlanta Falcons defence, which you don't often hear. Yeah, Atlanta um, Falcons. Atlanta Falcons. But yeah, I thought Teddy Bridgewater was quite good this game as well, to be fair to him. Yeah, I mean, he's... Um, 
he's not he's never gonna be uh Ellie. consistently yeah. I've stuffed a fucking earbud up my ear somehow oh, and I can't get it out. It's stuck. Okay, that's lives there now. That's good to know. Uh he's he, <laughs> uh he's never gonna be a consistent, you know, three hundred yards a game running back, but uh it's running back, quarterback, but I I genuinely think you know he's a good game manager. He he knows what he's doing, and if you've got a strong running presence, and it, it the Broncos showed that they really do have a strong running presence in this game, then uh you know he's going to be able to pull, you know, manage a game, put you in a situation to win it. And I mean, he did it. He did it today. And he did. Yeah, exactly. I I, I mean. To, to sort of switch over to Dallas's offense and you know what what has been seen as one of the best units in the NFL while you try and smack your earbud out of your ear. Um, I, I was really surprised by what I saw with Dak Prescott today. He looked off on some, in a big way, on some throws that you think Dak would probably make in his sleep most weeks. Like he missed C.D. Lamb very noticeably on two wide open plays, which could have gone for touchdowns, if not massive chunk plays. Um, he just looked a bit sort of off and scattershot all all day, which was very surprising. Yeah, um, I think some of that is is down to the the pressure that the Broncos were able to to really get, um, and we saw that out of a few of the upsets, really, like just the the pressure really getting to quarterbacks. I think that that some of that is down to that, but yeah, uh, it's not the Dak that we're used to seeing. I mean, a couple of touchdowns on the day, he did um, have a few. Miss chances there, but any any time that you're averaging under fifty percent completion rate is that's not elite numbers, you know. That's oh, you're yeah, expecting uh, a quarterback of Dax caliber to be able to, you know, throw for over fifty percent completion rate. Yeah, ideally with how much they throw as well, thirty nine attempts. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, not a good day at the office for Dak Prescott. And let's move on to another one of the uh, upset wins. And another pretty bad day for a quarterback. This time, Josh Allen of the Bills. Had, I mean, he had a bit of a torrid time against himself. Um, his like every time the fucking commentator said that, like, I get it. <laughs> the defensive Josh Allen had a very good game. Apparently not. In the duel of Josh Allen's defenses, Jacksonville's Josh Allen won. Okay, but mm-hmm. I don't need to know every time Josh Allen sacked or picked off Josh Allen. That or, they have the same fucking name. We get it. We get it, mate. I don't well, need case, to know that. Yeah. Like, what is the fucking commentary team? Like, you've said it five or six times. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, I mean, in case Sorry. you did miss it, Josh Allen picked off Josh Allen, sat Josh Allen, and and recovered a Josh Allen fumble. Um, this was the quite frankly ridiculous game between the Jags and the, the Bills, which the Jags won nine to six. I mean, not a day if you're an offensive player for either team. Um, but I mean, pretty shocking for the Bills. This would this looked like an absolute win this in your sleep type game, to be honest. But the, the Jags, the Jags defense really handled them, especially on the ground. Yeah. I mean, what what I've put down is just, you know, um, Josh Allen, like I was saying, what what happened with Dak is that he looked fucking uncomfortable the entire day. Yeah. He was getting pressured up his asshole from blindsided all the fucking time. Um, I was really expecting more out of that Bills O-line, but like you said, 
Uh, Josh Allen had a tremendous game. Generally speaking, that that Jags D line just consistently got pressure. They were able to you know create angles and and make things confusing for oh, for God's sake. The saying Josh Allen is going to really piss me off. <laughs> for the uh, quarterback, yeah. <laughs> for QB, Josh Allen was uh, yeah. He he looked a bit like back in his rookie days where you know he didn't really very flustered. He was really struggling to um, stay poised in the pocket. And part of that was because there wasn't really a pocket. Like it was it was completely collapsing around him at all times. Uh he was forced to run a lot as well from, from that. And I mean he, he did an okay day on the on the ground, but it, you never really want to see you never want to force a guy who could be throwing it for four hundred yards to to be running as much as he was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think as well, like so I mean to just to back up your point there, Jacksonville had four sacks on him. There were many more pressures. He didn't look comfortable at any point. I think it's it was also quite, for me, I think the Bills shot themselves in the foot here with how much they ended up asking Josh Allen to throw. In a situation where, you know, they lost this game by three points. It, it was 6-9. It was like, that, they seemed to just basically give up on any semblance of a run game very early doors. Outside of Josh Allen's five carries, uh, Devin Singletree and Zach Moss combined for nine carries for 22 yards. I mean, yeah. you've got to, you've got to run the ball more than that, especially in a close game, especially when your quarterback's having an off day. Give him something to help him out with with some with some better designed run plays. I know that's been a weakness of the Bills, but I mean, come on, it's the Jacks, right? Yeah, but you've got to, you've got to give it a fucking attempt. Like exactly. it's not like. It's not like you said. It's not like the Jags are a particularly strong run defense team. They just didn't give it a go. I mean, you, it's also not like Devin Singletree or, or Zach Moss are the the worst. I mean, Moss got injured, right? Actually, I think I think so. But yeah. um, they're not the worst things in the world. And yeah, if you commit to it, you might. It's the same. It's the same. The running game works like this. It's like commit to it consistently throughout the four quarters and it will pay dividends in the in the final in yeah. the final half basically but if if teams just try out a few runs early on and then just completely throw away the run game then your offense becomes really predictable your play action game just isn't going to work and yeah that this is going to happen he's especially on a day where you know, Jacksonville were doing so well in that pass rush game and getting consistent pressure on Josh Allen, then you need a way to really alleviate that pressure. And there's nothing better than just giving it to your running back to to really make them think about, you know, next time you, you step back and go for a play action, you know, oh, he might he might actually give it to the running back and yeah, you know, might get gashed here. I but, think, yeah, yeah that, like that surprised me a lot, like just on that point as well. Like I, I thought there was definitely a point in the game where, you know, they had clearly had some problems dealing with the Jacksonville pass rush. Uh, I think the the right tackle is it Cody Ford, their right tackle. I might be getting that wrong. Um, I think so. Had he had a bit of a torrid time from 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 what I saw of the game. So I was so surprised they didn't start putting in you know some some running back draws, some you know some running back screen passes, those sort of things, just to, to, just to try and you know make Jacksonville have to play run solid football as well and not just be able to tee off on Josh Allen everything single snap and they just failed to do that they failed to set their O-line and quarterback who were having bad days up for any sort of success or respite um, and it showed I mean yeah. yeah 
that Josh Allen was crying out for some some way to sort of temper that pass rush, be it with you know a, a run heavy um, you know game plan in towards the second half, or like or like I said, you know, mixing some draws and some screens to make them play honest, and they just didn't do any of that shit, which was very surprising. It's almost like they were like, we're the Bills, these are the Jags, we'll figure it out, and and eventually the normal stuff will work. And they got published. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really stupid when you think it wasn't a shootout. It's not like Trevor Lawrence was dropping 400 yards on them or anything like that. Yeah. He, he just had over a buck on the day. So, like, what really, like, what I could see was, I mean, it's a very heavily defensive game from the start. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at, at least one team was committing to the run game, whether or not it was effective in, in the Jacksonville. And one team was just completely abandoning it and trying to make it some a game that it just wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't there wasn't a need to be constantly passing and i'll say on both sides like it they had third and longs pretty much all game uh they were in situations where it's third and 12 third and 15 third and 10 third and eight like all the time and no wonder it led to a field goal fest yeah, I mean, and that that sort of, that brings me on to my sort of final takeaway from this game, which was like, how many fucking penalties do you guys want to give up? Like, honestly, the amount of pre-snap penalties and dumb penalties that we saw, to be fair, from both sides, but in particularly, you know, it was more noticeable with the Bills because the amount of times they completely killed their own momentum doing it. Yeah. Um, I think that's another big reason why they lost, just bad discipline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... You'd, some some weeks are just like that, to be honest. You, they might have had just a, a shitty go at, in practice and just nothing was clicking. And some, some days it turns up like this. I'm hoping it's not consistent because the Bills are generally a, a fun team to watch. But, yeah. I mean, they are, their game management needs to be better than this. And I, I'm hoping this will kick them in the arse in a lot of ways and they can change that going forward. Absolutely. Well, I mean, they've got a pretty pretty cushy comeback game against the Dolphins next week, so I'm sure the Bills will. Hey, be man, the Dolphins just won. Did beat the Texans. Only gave up five sacks against the Texans, which is a formidable front. Um, so we'll see how that translates next week. Help me. Um, right. Well, let's move on to um, another another pretty surprising re- result. I mean. Maybe not as clear a uh, upset story as, as as the previous two, but the Titans rolling in and beating the Rams was something, especially with what the Titans had to deal with with Derrick Henry going down, which was, you know, for many people, not something they thought would happen at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to think about this one, really. Hmm. I mean, when we're talking about like upsets and stuff, I feel like the Titans were still a good team. But the, yeah, like you said, the main thing was just people worrying and i mean we did this last last week we were worried that the uh the titans were going to come in here and you know not really have an identity anymore i mean offensively speaking they didn't look amazing to be fair uh they it was nothing special surprisingly enough i was not expecting adrian peterson to come in and take most of the carries on his first week that was surprising Um, yeah I agree with you there. I mean, yeah. his stat line was nothing to write home about. I know he got into the end zone, but 10 carries for 21 yards. Not by my maths. I mean, no one's stat yards. lines were that, that good to write home about. I think it's more, it was more on the um, 
on the Titans defense and really like Matt Stafford just did not really look himself. Yeah, that 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 was my my sort of main takeaway as well was Matt Stafford with a couple of really bad under Stafford like inceptions I thought that were just unnecessary. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know the one way he he basically threw it straight to the linebacker about two yards away from from the uh, their own end zone um, to put the the Titans up in excellent field position, and then the other one, you know, I mean, what do you even say about the other one, right? Like just the. Not a good, not a good play from the quarterback pick six to uh, to Kevin Byard and uh, you know compounded the damage somewhat. I, I was surprised with the the Rams offense in general, to be honest. Like I know, as we said, not a good game from from Stafford, but I mean, I think in general, everyone just see, they just seemed like the unit was quite off. I mean, yeah, when you've got what six points made up of two field goals by the end of the third quarter. Um, you're down what twenty-one to three at the time. Like you, you're just going to be one in a shitty situation where you basically have to score three times to really, to really get into the game. Um, I mean Matt Stafford's done that in the past, but it, Matt Stafford this week was not the um, not that guy. It was not, you're not that was guy. Not a chief. No, you were not that guy. But uh, to be fair to him as well, I think he. I mean the Titans front. Gave them a lot of problems. Five sacks for the Titans on the day, three for Jeffrey Simmons. Um, and I mean, I think that that Rams front will be having nightmares a bit about Jeffrey Simmons for quite some time. Um, that was really key in disrupting their rhythm as well, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a it's been a bit of a theme, hasn't it, really, in these these upsets. Is that QB's getting a bit rattled by the old uh, defensive pressure. Definitely, uh, definitely a week for for front seven players for sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, quite a few sacks in this one. I think the Rams had three themselves as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, three for them as well. So I mean, you know, neither quarterback had a great time staying upright. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I was I was still quite surprised with the Tennessee result, not because Tennessee were a bad team, but because I think we thought the Rams were a more consistent team and, and a better all round team to be able to deal with this sort of situation. Um, it felt to me, and, and I mean, you know, I guess kind of similar to the other games we talked about as well. It just felt like it was one of those weeks where nothing was really going to work for them properly. Yeah, I still feel though, like looking at both these teams, the Titans still feel like a team that will lose in the first round of the playoffs, mm. and the Rams look like a team that, well, last week they didn't, but generally speaking, throughout the season, have have looked like a team that could potentially go quite far into the playoffs. I, I'm not super worried about the Rams. I think Matt Matty Stafford had a bit of an off day with all the pressure. Um, but yeah, the Titans haven't really particularly looked great this season in general. Like yeah. their defense, apart from today, uh, apart from this this week, haven't looked anything really special. Um, and now, I mean, I, I know I shouldn't say it, but I, I'm still worried about what what. The whole Derrick Henry yeah. hole is going to be filled because I'm looking around and like Ryan Tannehill didn't have a a baller game. They didn't really pick up the production that Derrick Henry left with them. Any of the performances out of the three guys who got significant carries, AJ Brown and Julio Jones doesn't look like it's it's particularly clicking. Mm-hmm. I mean, AJ Brown had an okay day, but it's it was nothing special. Um. So I'm wondering, you know, where's 
where's the production going to be picked where, up from? Where's the it, stats that, I don't from? think that question really got answered, even though they did come away with an impressive win. Yeah, I mean, I felt like with the the Titans as well, I think they played, I think they were good in at, with their situational football. I think there were a number of sort of key plays where the Titans were able to execute in tight moments, which kept them in control of the game or kept them, you know, in a, in a, in a state of dominance in the game. But as we've seen, you know, that is... You, you need to be able to regularly be putting up numbers across across your team and and, and putting regular points on the board as well. Um, you know, it's all well and good being good in in moments, but you know, especially over the course of a season, they need to start to be able to put that chemistry together. Especially with you know the pieces that they've got. I know Derek Henry's down, but as you said, Julio Jones, AJ Brown. If Adrian Peterson is going to be anything like old Adrian Peterson, which Julio is Jones is not look that good this year. Yeah, I mean that that is true. Julio Jones. It is has looks a bit like age has caught up to him, but then again, also you know, has there been a lot of opportunity for him so far with the way they've been calling games? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a completely different system. Um, it's just sort of felt he's had success with. Yeah, I was just gonna say it, it just kind of feels like the the Titans' offense as a whole has a lot of potential, and for whatever reason, whatever combination oh, of no poo. They're, they are all fart no poo currently. I mean, they, there was a bit of poo this week because they have managed to put up 28 points and, and win against the Rams. So, I mean, we, we should probably be being a bit more yeah, positive about them look in that good regard. doing it. Like, their defense looked better than usual, but they didn't look fucking like... I wasn't like, oh, my God, the Titans' offense are really, like, I'm not worried about them, but, you know? Mm. I, I wonder what this would do to their It was a lot of, like, good field position. and Yeah, that is true. They, they did well on special teams, to be fair. But I, was, I, I wonder what... Now that Derrick Henry's gone and they're they've ha- they're going to have to shift so massively their off- offensive identity based on that, it will be interesting to see where this offense goes and, and the sort of direction they try and take it in. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think this was the game to really find that out, unfortunately. No. Even though we thought we would. Indeed. Well, uh, I mean, that's I mean, th- those were the main sort of upsets. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on this week, Joey? The the Falcons, maybe? Yeah, we can the talk Falcons about the Falcons. beat the Saints? Absolutely. I thought that was... Some people would consider this an upset, but also it was Matt Ryan versus a combination of Trevor Simeon and a few passes from Taysom Hill. So I <laughs> uh, yeah. would argue maybe not an upset as much as you know people would think. Oh, I had something um, with this game that, that really fucked me off while I remember, sorry. Um, go ahead. Yeah, so the, the Falcons obviously beat 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 the Saints. Amazing. There was a moment where I I mean I'm not a Falcons fan. I, like I think they're fine. I have no allegiance in this game. I almost absolutely lost my shit with Mike Davis in this game because Why? when it's the fourth quarter and you fumble, when all you need to do is just keep the ball in bounds and and you know run out the clock, and he literally fumbled the ball away almost giving the Saints a chance to come back into it. Luckily, they ju- the Falcons jumped on top of it. I was I was so ready to go mental because what a stupid way to, to throw away a win that would have been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally, like, speaking as a running back, the first thing you're taught is how to hold on to a football and how to initiate into contact with a football. And when you're holding... Uh, you know, the old bread basket analogy, if, you, if you're holding it down there with your elbow semi straight then you're in a position where you know the ball's going to pop out so 
Silly boy. Silly boy. Call Daryl Patterson, though. Jesus fucking Christ. What boy? This man. This man just gets so many receiving yards from the running back position. It it's, doesn't make any sense. It's a joke, right? I mean, an, another ridiculous stat line from Cordell Patterson this week. Six receptions for 120, 126 yards, including that massive 60-yard play, which set up the uh, the the field goal that eventually won the, the Falcons the game. I mean... Yeah. He's what a season. To be... I know. Like... I mean, he's going to get more receiving yards as a running back than I think he's ever got in his career as a receiver, which is a weird, weird little stat line. Um, do you think yeah. the Do you think the Saints aren't going to make not aren't going to make the playoffs, and the Falcons are potentially going to make the playoffs? What do you think? I mean, they're well, not in a great division outside of the Buccaneers. They're not. They're not. I mean, you know, Falcons sitting at four and four now. I mean, the Saints. I think the Saints are four and four. Saints are five and three. Sorry, apologies. Um, it, it started to get a bit squeaky, to be honest. Um, I don't know. It would be a, we, might, we might we've got to ask Alex this. He'll have a I'm sure he'll have a strong opinion. But I, I think it could be time to start worrying a little bit in New Orleans. Um, I mean, yeah. If James is out for the season, they haven't managed to trade for it. And I mean, Trevor Simeon's okay. His arm talent clearly isn't there on the level of a Taysom Hill, even. So, I mean. His ball placement can be good depending on the day, but like, yeah, when you, he's he's not he's not a starting level QB. He doesn't he doesn't have the arm for it. He doesn't really have any elite traits. He's fucking Trevor Simeon. Like he got picked in the seventh. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like this isn't this isn't news to anyone. Like no one's going into yeah. a season going like, oh thank God we've got Trevor Simeon at the helm. Yeah, I mean no disrespect to him, but like like I said, that is his ceiling, right? Like he's not. I think yeah, it's quite clear he's not a NFL starter quarterback. Yeah, no, I'm surprised that Taysom Hill is not getting that much love. I mean, is it just because you have to really tailor such an offense around him for mm. him to really get any... Like, is he that, like, incapable of just being a quarterback and being able to, you know fucking drop back and throw a ball without there being some sort of weird trickery to it. Yeah, I mean, they, they just flat out don't trust that man to be able to complete a pass in a normal situation, I think is the is the short and long bit. Um, but really, I mean, like, Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon is the guy. Like, he he's the guy we're going to... We're just going to roll with Trevor Simeon to the end of the season. You're basically saying we're okay with not making the playoffs this year. I think the, the the hope from the Saints' point of view is that Sean Payton can be creative enough as a scheme caller. They can sort of ride that Kamara and Ingram one-two punch, which played which, you know played well again this Sunday, to be fair. And I think the main thing is they really like their defence, and their defence struggled in this game, which has been a bit of a surprise because they've been pretty good so far this year. For whatever reason, this Sunday, they really struggled against the Falcons. They really struggled, as we mentioned before, to deal with Cordell Patterson. Um, you know, just a month today, it's so many yards. I mean, it's only six receptions, right? But it's, it's the situations that they came in, I think, as well, which was the main thing. Yeah, because tended, uh, yeah, especially playing in that running back position for some reason, it he's so good at just getting free and going for just long breaking runs that really like it's demotivating, really, to just have someone drop a fucking 60 yard reception on you, you know, catch and run. Um, 
absolutely. So yeah, I'm I'm very impressed with him this season. Not even just as a fantasy as, uh, prospect, but you know, as someone who you've been watching and always thought like, man, that boy is quick. If only he could catch. And uh, turns out he can catch as long as you play him at running back. Exactly. I think I think to be fair, you need there needs to be a certain amount of credit given to. Uh, the Falcons' offensive, uh, you know, offensive play calling, and also Matty Stafford getting them in the right, you know, f- finding the opportunities to be able to utilize that matchup. Like they are so good at being able to basically audible and play call to make sure that you get Cordell Patterson covered by a linebacker um, for him to utilize that and 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 be so effective in that in that coverage situation. They're really good at putting him in those situations, um, and that's a combination of play calling you know, from the sideline and also Matt Stafford getting them into the right play at the line. I'm right. Yeah, Matt Stafford, uh, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, yeah. We both Matt said, Ryan. yeah. We did say Stafford. Matt me. Ryan. Matt Ryan, not Stafford. Stafford not play for that team, different team. Yes. Uh, Matt Ryan, I mean, people don't really give him enough credit. This has been a year-on-year thing, but he is actually a really good player. He's just stuck on a team that for a lot of years didn't really have a defense. Um, Maybe they do. And they did have some semblance of a defense. They went to a Super Bowl. So that's Correct. something. They showed some semblance of a defense this weekend against the, the Saints as well. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, the, the only other takeaway from this week for me outside of those games we've just talked about was um, I felt quite sorry for Jordan Love because I really felt that Green Bay, he, I mean, I, I, it, I don't remember the last time I saw someone so unready for an NFL start. And I don't think that Green Bay helped him out a lot with their play calling as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be a tricky situation. Yeah, but at the same time, he's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how long Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for a few years, but yeah, um, yeah, he's sitting behind one of the bets the better QBs in the game, you, you would have hoped he... To be fair, yeah, the play calling wasn't great. I think a lot of that comes down to if Aaron Rodgers is in the game, he has a he just has a lot better chemistry with his receivers and timing and everything like that just isn't there. It's not like Jordan Love is getting genuine first-team reps all the time in, in training, I imagine. Um, yeah, so on that aspect, it's a shame, but... I also think it's going to be fine. Like, he's probably, in reality, the Packers would be pretty stupid to really get rid of Aaron Rodgers anytime soon. Yeah. Well, if this is the case, then... They might not have the luxury of choice, though, right? With the way that relationship's gone over the last couple of years, this, by all accounts, is quite likely the, the last dance season. So if they are left with Jordan Love, then they better hope that he... That they develop him a lot more than they have done in, in the in this time so far because he was not ready to start an NFL game. Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, I mean, a good, good win for Kansas City. I guess they they snap a pretty alarming streak that they've been on. But I guess that well, that was also a bit of an upset when you think about it with mm. how Kansas City have been. That is true. I mean, I, I did fear the worst as soon as you know we learned that Aaron Rodgers was going to be out for this game. Because we 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 have no fucking clue what what the Packers are like without Aaron Rodgers, and what we saw Evidently was not, not very good, not very good at all, right? Um, and and to be honest, I don't think Kansas City played well either. Like I remember, I think um, on our 
yeah, chatting with with Slew and stuff about the games yesterday, he mentioned how unimpressed he was with Kansas City. Uh, I mean, the only real, for me, point was Mahomes sort of looked a little bit more like Mahomes on that third down play to ice the game. Yeah, um, to, to finish the game, to was it to Tyreek? Or maybe it was to... Um, I think, it was, was it to Kelsey? I can't remember who was it, it was. Kelsey? It, was oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, but yeah. It was a big play by Mahomes. An off-platform throw you know, on third down, third and long. It kind of gave you like that, like, that's Mahomes. That's the Mahomes we haven't seen consistently this season, but that's the Pat Mahomes that we've been used to for the last couple of years. Hey, man, like, I think we, there's a good chance we got very lucky with how great Mahomes has been this early on and to really expect him to be that great consistently was a fucking tall order considering Mm -hmm. the history of every other quarterback who has ever lived. People are going to have off years, you know. They're not going to always be fantastic. And and to be fair, I mean, the, the Chiefs are five and four now. They're probably, possibly a playoff team given the the extra game and the extra expanded playoffs and everything like that. Yeah. And by that point, Mahomes might have really figured him out, figured figured himself out, and um, you know, think things will start clicking a lot more. I mean, one thing would be, you know, the defense played a bit better this this week. Um, they were against uh, Rogers-less Packers, so I, I don't know how much we can really, really read I was, into I was it. Say, but... They basically just blitzed every single down on Jordan Love because they knew he'd, he'd panic, right? But I mean, you still got you still got to execute, and uh, yeah, yeah they... that's what that's all they did when they were good. Like when they they looked okay, is that they were blitzing a lot and you know, disguising blitzes to to get pressures and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not surprised in that aspect, yeah. really. They're a much better unit when they play aggressive, I think, that Chiefs defence. And, uh, yeah, got, got the win on, on Sunday, so fair play to them. Maybe they can start to write that ship. Um, and, I mean, speaking of writing ships, bad years, bad weeks, uh, should we should we dive into the pick and results for, for this week, Joey? Go ahead. Fuck it, just tell me I'm last again. Uh, so right so we'll go well first of all we'll break it down by uh you know who who did well this week in terms of actually picking the games first of all before we get into the final leaderboard let me just just get it up on my big screen so i can see the uh glorious now now i'm thinking about it i think you actually did it right i'm not not gonna give away too much but i'm looking at the numbers here and uh they're they're not not as heinous I mean, as you might no, like, think. Fifteen and one, like Alex got that one week. Yeah, that was a joke. Um, so this this week, the two best performers this week from the Dropback Podcast was Daniel and Stan, both of whom went an absolutely eye-watering six and seven. So you can tell from that just about how well we did as Fuck. a as a podcast this week. week. Yeah, quite a lot of losses. So yeah, Dan and Dan and Stan managed managing to finish with a six and seven record this week. Then we had um, myself. Let me just make sure I get this right. Myself, Dylan, Alex, and uh, the one and only Joker Stanzo in the house over here, finishing with that on five and eight. So pretty respectable, Joey, wow. from all of us. To be honest, I mean, as as how, losing how margins bad go. Sleep? Slew, um, yeah, Slew let himself down. 
Uh, Slew <laughs> finished uh, three and ten this week, which has not done, not done him Damn. any favors at all uh, in the standings. So we'll go to the standings now and okay. let's start in reverse order, as is um, customary. So unfortunately, Joe, you are oh, still rude. Lost. You are still rude to the bottom spot, my friend. 75 and 59. Um, but only a gap of six games between me and you. So I'm on 81 and 53. We then find the rather feeling sorry for himself, Samuel Lewis, now lurking at 83 and 51. Before we have um, Daniel and Alex as a tied second on 84 and 50. And the current winner as things stand, is the seven seven foot six Stan Wilson, who has got an 86 and 48 record on the season so far. So congratulations, Stan. Another week at the top. Um, all of us for getting over 500, though. Am I right? Ha-ha. Well, uh, really. uh, we all sucked this week. <laughs> but but Slew sucked, sucked the most, so we can take some premise from that, and hopefully that hurts him a little bit when he edits the pod this week. Um Right. Well, I mean, I think that's probably just about all we've got time for. Uh, thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Dropback Podcast. If you'd like to keep up with our other content, then please head over to our socials at the Dropback on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And also check out our schnazzy website, thedropback.com or.co.uk. We've got articles coming out all the time. Dylan, I think, has done two articles last week and Alex put one out last week as well we'll be putting out some more this week on college football nfl anything american fantasy football. now with dylan dylan's got fantasy, fantasy yeah dylan, dylan started smashing out fantasy uh, articles as well so definitely check that out uh check out our live stream as well on thursdays we host with brit balling on their socials and our socials so definitely tune in for that but yeah all that's left for me to say is thank you so much for listening i've been matt i've been joe and we will catch you next week ciao <laughs> The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. I don't think I'd like it there. I wouldn't be friends with anyone.